You're listening to the Pitch Invasion Podcast, the podcast for football tribalists. Welcome back to Pitch Invasion, episode number 19. And we're going to focus now a little on the Premier League and uh, the, I guess, the things that happened in the, and the stories that came out of the Premier League over the weekend. And uh, quite a, a fair bit of them. And uh, just in touching, or just in, in passing rather, uh, United 4-1 winners and looking... As, Against as, who? I know, I know, I know. But looking as as confident as I've seen them in maybe two years under Mourinho, but that's for another another day. Uh, the other Manchester team was uh, over in London at Stamford Bridge, and they went back home with zero goals and zero points, which uh, for me was surprising. But uh, having spoken to you guys off air, was not that much surprising, Emika. I think that um, to a large extent, you know, I've, I've always emphasized that, uh, that that Man City haven't been tested uh, so far. And, you know, yes, Wolves to, to an extent, but um, against Liverpool, they they came up defensively because they've struggled against Liverpool for a while. But going to a game against Chelsea, and we've seen Chelsea this season, they can be very good when 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 they, they, they come out to play. Um, I thought Pep was a, a little bit... Um, how would I put it? Overconfident going into yeah. that game because, you know, already Liverpool had won their game and so which meant that you were back into second place, with, you know, and for you to to, to go into that game without a, a striker, um, it just says one thing that, you know, you, you were not ready to put, to put pile pressure on Chelsea because Chelsea had lost consecutive uh, games yeah. or they've lost two out of three three games and they or they hadn't won in the in the last three games of which they lost two. So you know I expected that he would go into that game, you know, because Chelsea were also under under a lot of pressure. But I, I saw David Lewis who should be uh, so far has not covered his his uh, himself in glory this season suddenly become uh, not just such a, a, a commanding performance in defense, but also going out there and scoring a goal. Yeah. And, and I've seen a video of him uh, dancing uh, to, the, to the, 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 the latest dance craze in Nigeria, Shaku. I don't know how, how, how he got... I saw him dancing to it in, in, the, in the dressing room um, after the game. I mean, Chelsea were, were deserved winners. And uh, this says a lot about whether or not Man City uh, want to be where we all think they, 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 they should be. Is, is it a case of complacency from them? Is it a case of, of, of taking... Because if, if we were to, to, to today decide who's going to win the, 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 the league or if you were to bet your last thousand rand, you would go City. I would go City. Amika, hard to probably say Liverpool. Head would probably say City. Was it a case of them feeling, you know what... We are. Was it the case of them believing the hype? Because I heard uh, Pep Guardiola afterwards speaking to the media. He said, "It's not us that has been saying we are runaway favourites. It's been you, the media. You guys have said it. None of my players." No, but their results. Their results. Their Man City's results they, have they been. They can't run away. From <laughs> exactly. I mean, the their log results. Had, the log. Not, not just the results. I mean, if you look, if you <laughs> yeah. look at the results, uh, if you look at the log, some yeah. points. Man City has scored. I mean, I haven't seen a season. A, I haven't seen a season where goals, a yeah. team, you know, has. Um, 36, I think, yeah. I think 36 plus 36 yeah. after 16 games or 15 games. That's that's it. I mean, they were they should actually be plus 38 mm. going into this. I mean, they went they were plus 38 going into this game. Yeah, that's almost like if you divide 15 by 38, that's more than that's um, like nearly three. It's almost, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost, yeah. So, teams would take that, but the so it is not, yeah. it is, I mean, for, for me. And for a lot of purists, it's, it's, I mean, this is like the best team in Europe. Yeah. So 
for him, oh, for him, so sure. no, I'm saying on, on the basis of their of their records. If, if we're not even looking at, if we're not even looking at 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 um, how they play, mm. and then we've seen them, you know, dominate teams. When you look at the stats, number of passes, everything, nobody has threatened them. City even before this game, they had considered only seven goals. Mm. So you know, how can people? How can he say that everyone was making him? So, so then, so then, what, what do you think might have contributed to to? to to them not performing to to the, the standards that we we sort of expected from them. You know, I said this off air. You, you know, whenever we use that stat and they say nine out of ten times somebody's supposed to do something and whatnot, with Pep, nine out of ten times you're going to get brilliant football. You're going to get a fantastic result. The problem with Pep, that one out of ten times is like a Hiroshima. It's literally like a, a, an atomic bomb that mm. goes wrong. You saw it against uh, Liverpool in both legs last season. You saw it in the Champions League last yeah. season. You saw it in the Champions League the season before that with Monaco. And you're seeing it this year in the Champions League as well. You, I think I saw both games against Lyon. Yeah. Pep somehow, whenever he gets his tactics wrong, they just go really off the rails and pear-shaped. I mean, to start the game, you had Gabriel Jesus on the bench. I know Sterling's in form, but you had Sterling as the false nine, really? Mm. You know, that to me, I think was very, very, I, I don't want to say arrogant, but it was very naive because I think when you look at Chelsea this season, like Amika said, um, they've also been up and down. But the one thing with Chelsea is that they don't give away goals easily. Mm. So you needed a recognized finisher in there, somebody that knows, you know, his eye to goal. So when you put Sterling, who's better coming from the side or, you know, well, yeah, when, especially when, when he's not the one with responsibility. He, yes. he, he almost seems to thrive when there's when he has yes. to play off play off another striker. So whether it's Aguero, I mean Gabriel Jesus might not score, but you know his his position. He knows how to be disruptive in the middle. No, but his his, yeah, his positioning, right I think, place. I think is the best that I've seen amongst all the strikers in the world because, and that is why when he's on fire, he gets into those positions and, and he, he gets a lot of and headers he gets for the ball, small ball. Yeah. So yeah. you know when you have him, then you have the attention on him, and then Sterling comes in from the side along with with Sane. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, even Sane at the point when they were taking him out, you could see that, you know, he just wasn't... Yeah, uh, something wasn't something quite, wasn't quite there. on so, top of it. And I just thought, you know, Pep had done this before and it backfired. That season where, where Bayern obliterated uh, Barcelona. You got, to, you got to go into these games and put, in, put pressure on the other team. You can't come there without a striker and expect... With Chelsea... They can afford to play without a striker mm. because we know that Morata has yeah, no goals. <laughs> I mean, to, to an extent, I even saw um, Aspilicueta try to cross the ball, and because Morata wasn't there, he didn't <laughs> he didn't get it right. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting right, uh, but t- top of the table is uh, Liverpool Football Club, and they go or they take that billing into uh, a clash against a bitter rival in Manchester United coming up, and. You know, I guess the question to ask is is the form that Mohamed Salah is seemingly trying to get back and seemingly back in, that uh, he's up against a team that we have to, let's remember, have defended against him very well over the past two seasons as well. I think so. I think, I think you know, um, the, the test for Liverpool um, this season is always going to be similar to, to the season they, they lost the title when they were close to winning it. And they're coming up against Mourinho, who's tactics. Um, you know, if he gets it right, yeah, usually frustrates. <coughs> Sorry. So uh, I mean, <coughs> this is what happens. You can't, you can't, can't believe Liverpool on top. <laughs> this is what happens. Can't find the right words. Uh, let, let, let me let me drink some water. <laughs> <laughs> While well, well, he tries to kill himself, look, 
<laughs> you know, the interesting thing about Liverpool coming into this clash is that, you know, there's always that sense that Liverpool, Man United, the form book never matters, right? But for some strange reason, in this game, it actually does matter because, you know, I keep saying that this is the game where Jose Mourinho is going to get fired. This is the game and he always finds to pull it off. Liverpool are coming into this game as overwhelming favourites. And if Liverpool do not win this game, yeah. like Pep you saw with Chelsea where, you know, he comes in their favourites and somehow other teams start to look at this and they think, okay, well, let's see how they do against big teams. And you learn from what happens from mm. them, right? So if Pep, for, if um, club for me does not beat Man United in a game of this magnitude, right? There are other teams that are looking at this and thinking, okay, look, Mourinho set up this way. Um, you know, if he does overcome uh, Liverpool, here's how we need to do it. So yeah. I think if Liverpool somehow do emerge victorious in this game, right, I think it sets them up as serious, serious title contenders. Yes, I know they're on top, but to play against Chelsea, to play against City, to play against Man United, to play against Arsenal, and not having lost against mm -hmm. all four of those teams, right, that's a huge signal of intent to say that you mean business this season. Especially if you compare it to what happened last season, I think, I think it was last season where, yeah. I think they lost, what, four out of the yeah, six? They lost, yeah, I mean, the previous season, they, they didn't lose mm. to any of the teams. Uh, last season, they did well against other teams and yeah. they, they lost a couple of games. Yeah. Uh, particularly two games, they lost uh, by heavy score against Man City and against against uh, um, Tottenham. Mm. But but this season, we've seen them um, really overcome um, the big test. And, and one of the reasons why they're where, where they're where they are is because against those teams, they played those teams quite early. Yeah. And that gave them a, a, a lot of confidence. But what, what, what we've seen with this team, I mean, I, mean, I, I agree to what you say. Um, that there's a lot of pressure on them, but I, I cannot feel that, you know, the form that they have coming into this game, I believe that they, they will be, um, you know, very poised to to, to, to have one over over Mourinho this time yeah. around because, uh, you know, Mourinho himself needs to, to keep in touch um, with the rest of the pack. And, no, and, and for me, for me, I think he needs to actually try and play. And the last time United tried to play against Liverpool, they, they actually stood up to them. If he goes into this game with mm -hmm. a certain kind of defensive mindset i think they're going to lose but you know you know what i think is also going to be telling yeah. for liverpool going into this game is what is going to take the, the napoli game how much is that going to take out of them mm. yes. because um i know i'm taking this to arsenal for a sec but in arsenal you know they played spurs and they played man united yeah. and you saw it in that huddersfield game right it took a lot out of the players know, yes. so now i'm looking at liverpool where the game against napoli is a huge game for the context of their season yes. because you know obviously they want to win the league and that's still another you know 38 game stretch whereas the champions league you know if you're out of the champions league man that's a huge dent in confidence well, revenue not, not, and so not, forth not really so uh, if napoli revenue wise yes but i think that's you know for the team it might just set them, set them up nicely to say... If they get out of the Champions League? Yes, I'm saying... It's it, going to set them up nicely. It might set them up nicely to concentrate on the their energy on the league. Amika, because, look, Amika. Listen, listen. The as, Champions as League, they are last year's finalists. I agree. I agree that... Getting out in the listen, group stage is not going to set them I agree, up nicely I agree, I agree, I agree that it's not, it's not the best. It's good for them. Also, in terms of them attacking players, also good for them to do well against the Champions League. But I'm just saying that, you know, if you look at Liverpool, in the Champions League... Usually, they are, they are, you know, out and out attacking style used to favor them in the mm. Champions League. But this season, they've been very restrained in, in those Champions League, League games. They haven't hit those heights. Uh, so, I think that, you know, if, if they go into, into if they can uh, monster 
whatever, no matter what happens in the Champions League, they must have whatever and get through with United with three points in that game against United. It sets them up nicely. I, say, I get the sense that, you have that you're saying as a yeah. Liverpool fan or Liverpool fans, right? You value the Premier League over the Champions League not because really. you haven't won the Champions League not, in not, so long. Not, that not, not even really. if you get out of the Champions not, League, not, it not really. Matter. Imagine if Liverpool had won the Champions League last last season. That would that would take them to 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 six and elevate them even further in terms of um, their their standing in Europe. The point that I'm making is that you know it's not about one being more important than the other. The point is just simply that they came close in 2014. They are looking very good this season. First, they are unbeaten. Secondly, they, they seem to have found a way to beat the teams that usually give, give them trouble. Teams like Bournemouth. I mean, go to Bournemouth and beat them four. And go to uh, to Burnley and score score three goals after being a goal down. You know, and then, you know, getting that result against, against Everton. You know, Man United is almost like another derby. So, you know, what, what's going to happen in, in that game is, is you know... It's going to be like a, a, a major moment for them if they win that game because it sets them up nicely to say, you know, if we keep up, you know, maybe we, we'll be... Because if you look at Liverpool's run-up to the to the New Year, they play after Man United, they play against Newcastle and I think Wolves. Then, they've got, then they've got Arsenal and after Arsenal, they've got, they've got Man City. Just imagine if at the time they're playing City, they haven't lost any game in, in this league. That game is going to look like like a real um, cup finals title, title decider because yeah, there's there's, there's a very thin line between between those teams and the fact that City lost doesn't mean that they're going to lose their next game the point is that City are going to come up against Everton in their next game which again you know puts a lot of pressure yeah okay uh, so, uh, well, Liverpool favourites against Manchester United I think that's that's the one thing we can take from uh, that little discussion and uh at Anfield and should should Liverpool beat Napoli and qualify for the round of 16 of the Champions League believe me Anfield will be even more uh, a buzz yeah, come, be, come I mean, the weekend I, I mean I can imagine the, the, the night that, yeah. that, that European night in, uh, at Anfield blech, blech, you know, European night it's, blech, no seriously it's, it's one <laughs> you know people say oh they need to win by by one goal so those European nights usually don't end that really no, no. I, I think back and That's I, and, like I, and, 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 and I think of Europa I think of the Europa the Europa League game a few seasons ago where it was Liverpool versus Dortmund yes I mean that's that's one of the most insane nights and then yeah. also think of Manchester City versus Liverpool yeah. uh, last Champions year mm. and then Roma versus Liverpool it was a game where you know the script never goes according to to uh, to how everybody sees it so yeah, yeah um, it's looking like a very good year for Liverpool fans yeah Liverpool fans as if he's not one of them but uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, a former Liverpool player now uh, who uh, came out and you know what it's nothing new um, it's nothing new uh, as far as British football is concerned nothing new as far as European football is concerned uh, this whole uh, you know racism issue and you know, and what you know was muttered towards him uh, by some Chelsea fans. Who, uh, you know, I think the fan in question has come out now and said he said "mank" and not "black." Um, whether he's right or not, Sterling says it was racist. Uh, well, whatever was uttered. The interesting thing about the whole incident for me is that let's count this: William, Rudiger, Victor Moses, mm. N'Golo Kante, yeah. who scored the goal, right? And uh, who else? Uh, there are a number of black Chelsea players, mm. right? What's their take on this? Yeah. Right? Because now Chelsea have to then ask themselves, look, if you're a soccer player and Chelsea come and they, you know, say we want to sign in your black soccer mm. player, 
you might have reservations because if that's what you do to the opposing fan, yeah. what about me when, when, I I'm, so, when, yeah. when I'm in when a, I'm off form? When or, I'm off form, yeah. what happens to me? And you know, on a broader context, you know, <laughs> look, it's hard for football authorities to stop racism because that's not FIFA's job, right? FIFA cannot stop or legislate mm. racism. What they can do is the type of punishment. So for me, the type of punishment says a lot in terms of how they view it. So when I see, and even the clubs as well, so when I see these guys have been suspended, that's yeah. I mean to myself, okay, so that means that they will have an opportunity to come back, mm. right? And possibly terrorize even yeah. further. Do they get some rehabilitation? Do they get some form of, uh, you know, are they reprimanding that's them a, in some way? What a, happens? That's a great point because this is this is what I feel, and this is probably why this issue is going to be in football for a very long time, European football anyway. They 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 always come out in statements are. Racism is a crime against football. It's not. It's a crime against humanity. It's a crime against. I mean, it's a bigger. It's a bigger. So if you treat it as just no, we don't want it in our football. You're saying, yeah, it's fine. If he doesn't come to games, we fine. He can still go and be racist elsewhere in 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 in, in you know in, in in society. And that's the issue. They they they're not dealing with you know what's a so racist. Strange. Because you know what's so strange, right? A week before that, they all wore uh rainbow laces uh, yeah right yeah. in support uh for the lgtb yeah. um, community community right maybe it's about time right that there's something on that level you know whether it's race whether it's gender mm. and, and so forth but in the in in with the same sort of uh, uh conviction yeah right black balls being used you know what i mean yeah. uh, black soccer boots uh, everybody wears you know a black collar or something towards those lines because as much as you know the lgtb community face those issues right racism is also an issue that's mm. just as big i don't want to say even bigger but it's just as big yeah right so i'd like to see the premier league you know i know they have the whole kick it out campaign and so forth but you know can we start having you know more of those issues because yeah. The racist, uh, racism issues in football happen at least, you know, once a week. No, at they do. At least. This was, I know some of them don't get reported, it was but just they happen a, at least was it, once Wasn't a it just a week after, I think, I, I don't know if it was a Tottenham game, where someone threw a banana onto the pitch at yeah. Ali, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. And I mean, that look, was just like now. Look, uh, um, for, for me, this whole uh, racism thing uh, is something, especially in the, in, the, in the English league, that I've gone through over and over, from, yeah. even when I was a lot, a lot younger. Um, when there were just very few black players in the league, um, the truth of the matter is that we've come a long way from from all of those things. And and, and to the point that that Ryan Sterling highlighted last week, you know, it was a very interesting story about how uh, the, the the press reported on two instances of two two black kids. Who, yes. I mean, first of all, with Sterling as well, they, yeah. they did report about his home and all that. But you know. Um, uh, Philip Foden, who was a Man City mm. um, kid, who was a white boy, uh, bought a house for his for his mom. And yeah. the story was, you know, Foden buys the house for yeah. for his mom, and Foden, you know, hadn't it was I mean, doesn't, doesn't, even, doesn't even play. Yeah, um, but a two million pound. Whereas for for another kid um, at at Man City, mm. um, his last name is Adarbayo, which is almost, which obviously he's, he's he's got a, a Nigerian heritage. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, obviously black uh, was more about you know someone who earns twenty five thousand and doesn't play for Man City yeah. and and then he buys you know um, a house. So Sterling was saying you know how do you he was holding up 
those two and saying, you know, how do you do that? And that's to a large extent the reaction from a lot, a lot of people that I know in the media who, you know, were call, called out from, from those, um, I mean, the, that particular report really, really points the spotlight at the role of the media in, in all of this yeah. because they almost seem to highlight some of these things that have to do with black players. Either they, you know, they bought a car yeah. or they did one thing. And when you look at where the players are coming from, if you take it back to Africa and even look at where some of these players are coming from, some are coming from real abject poverty. Yeah. And, you know, football kind of uplifts them. So I never have a problem if someone decides once in a while, especially for the amount of money that they, that they earn, to say, okay, I want to buy a house for my mom. I want to, you know, set my family well, up. I don't we we know the story. We know the story about, about Adebayo and all of the stuff that yeah. he went through with his family. Which, you know, for me, at such instances, you can highlight it. But, you know, if you look at how much of it also happens to white players, that doesn't get reported. So, you know, we, we, there's no way we say this that it's, it sounds nice. I just yeah. feel like, you know, the Kick It Out campaign is there, yes. But I think that FIFA um, and the federations and the leagues need to take... Uh, more punitive um, action. It's not just enough they, to say we identify these guys and, and put it. I mean, set set good examples, and then they're people people will not repeat it. But uh, you know, have a situation where player black player in Europe gets thrown bananas and all sorts. Yeah, uh, not 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 good enough because when they win, when they do win titles, and it's the it, and it's the African players mm. who score the goals. They don't even highlight them. They rather just celebrate like it's a normal thing. Or the black players and they celebrate. I mean, Raheem Sterling plays for England, yeah. and he celebrated when he does some some. Fantastic team. Just, just the way that that he, you know, his coverage or he's covered in, in, in the British media is, is is absolutely insane. Just in general, across his career, I mean, he's only what he's just turned twenty four, I think. No, no, less than that. Yeah, you know, he's, he's still such a kid. But the way that he's, you know, he's been covered in the media. You look at the way that, you know, the, the Rio Ferdinand uh, situation was covered, uh, the, the whole doping thing. You look at the way that Benjamin Mendy already in his young time in, in, in England, he's been covered in the media as a troublesome, you know, Manchester City player. You look at Paul Pogba and just the tabloids that follow him away from his What separates Paul Pogba from Paul Gascoigne? That's that's my thing. You know, Pogba does not, does Gas, not take drugs. Gascoigne till this day is, 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 is revered. It? Exactly. It's revered. Pogba doesn't take drugs. Pogba, Pogba doesn't, you know, get up to no good. But the way that he's covered in the media is that he's someone who is not focused on his football. Meanwhile, Paul Pogba is a world-class midfielder, yes. a World Cup winner. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. And again, something that we talk about a lot, I guess, it, it, within South Africa, the whole systematic racism. And that's where I believe British football is at the moment. They, the, the, the media is absolutely shambolic in how they cover people of color in general. But uh, we're going to move on from that and talk about something a bit more positive now. Uh, I guess positive in the sense that Banyana Banyana will be at the World Cup over in France. I'm not too sure if uh, the draw that was recently conducted over in France uh, was, uh, you know, many positive to take from that. Not fair. Not fair. Let's call it fair. If if you uh, just remind us who is in uh, Banyana's group, it's Germany, Germany, China, and Spain. Germany, China, and Spain. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure how, you know, our listeners view that group, but it certainly is one of the more difficult groups uh, at the uh, Women's World Cup next year to take place over in France. But uh, we did get a chance to speak uh, to uh, dear coach Desiree Ellis, who, uh, of course, if you have forgotten, is the first uh, coach to take uh, Banyana Banyana to the World Cup. Uh, and uh, she had plenty to say. And uh, let's quickly just hear from some of her comments ahead and after the draw. 
Coach Desiree, thank you so much for speaking to Pitch Invasion. Um, could you please describe to us what it means for you as a former Banyana Banyana captain and now as coach to have led South Africa to its first World Cup berth? And secondly, have you touched base with some of your former national teammates and how has this affected them now that the long-held dream has been achieved? First of all, it's not about me. Um, it's always about the team first. We have an amazing group of players as well as staff who work tirelessly behind the scenes. Um, our assistant coach, Tina Sonke Mbuli, um, very knowledgeable about women's football. Also, the uh, head coach of the university team that went to um, uh, Chinese Taipei two years ago. Um, then we also have the performance analyst, um, Shilin Boyson, who makes sure that we know as much of the opposition as we can. We then strategize and come up with a game plan, and then it's up to the players to execute that plan. You know, I have been in touch with uh, a couple of uh, former players, and my one friend, Kabuzita, has always uh, been texting me um, players that I played with even many, many years ago um, as well. But uh, uh, we did this for the country, you know, for our wonderful sponsor, Cecil, um, who stood behind us, you know, the only corporate. Um, uh, the South African Football Association, we had faith in us to appoint us, but also supported us and helped us with great preparation. So the scenes was amazing and incredible after we qualified. Uh, ran onto the field, did not know what to do. Ran to some players to try and hug them. They were emotional themselves, but it's just amazing moments for, for football in South Africa after the under-17 team uh, qualified for the World Cup, you know. So uh, we were just extremely excited. Um, sorry we couldn't win the final, but... Uh, you know, we gave it all we had and uh, we had reached our ultimate, which was qualified for the World Cup. And for us, uh, it was just uh, exciting for for all our fans and, and support uh, from South Africa. We even got a call from the president, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, who wished us well in the final and, and congratulated us on uh, qualifying for the World Cup. So it showed how much it meant to the country and we were happy and very excited that we could put smiles on the faces of the people back home. Now, you arrive at the World Cup draw and you're having shoulders with the planet's best football minds. Has it finally sunk in that Siaya Ifrant? Of course it has sunk in, you know, being at the draw and, and seeing all these legends and uh, looking up at the screen and seeing our flag there. Um, it's been amazing. So, uh, yes, it's sunk in. Um, prior to that, pinching yourself and lying awake at night with a, with a huge smile on her face and realizing the magnitude of the moment, you know, making 57 odd million people um, really happy and putting smiles on their faces and um, showcasing women's football in South Africa. And I think uh, it's just been an amazing uh, couple of days. But uh, when our, our name was drawn, it was just, uh, it was just a, an amazing, amazing moment. An amazing feeling indeed. And now you know who you're grouped along with come France 2019, Germany, Spain, China. After securing that World Cup qualification, Tofilo Gianni said, Banyana isn't going to France to make up the numbers, but to compete. Now, Coach, what plans kick in now as you prepare for a tough World Cup baptism? Well, we were just at the draw recently, and it shows the quality that Banyana have. You know, we had uh, so many countries coming up wanting to play us. Um, 
but we're fortunate that our sponsor Cecil and the South African Football Association had already prepared. Um, in January, January we will play um, the Netherlands. Um, we will also play uh, Sweden. We also have a game against the USA in May, so that's fantastic preparation. But I think we have to triple our efforts, you know, um, uh, compared to what we did this year um, in terms of um, preparing and planning really, really well. But also the players executing the plan and uh, more so um, our physical condition has got to be top, top, you know. We, 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 when we come to the World Cup, because uh, I agree with Rafi, you know, we've been to back-to-back Olympics in 2012 and 2016 and really competed. But when the World Cup is over, we want to make sure that people remember us and no longer ignore us. All right, uh, thank you very much to Desiree Ellis there. And uh, touching on the difficulties that uh, she will definitely be facing, uh, she and her team, over in France. But I think, Imika, we can we can all agree that uh, there will be plenty of support on uh, from uh, our side. And if you look, I'm just think, trying to think to myself, if you look at the ability of the, the, the talent within this current squad um, compared to maybe some of Bangana's previous squads, I think this is this is a very very good team that if we were to hope for some sort of uh, I, don't know, I don't know if we would call it a shock if they got out the group but if we were to hope for something this might be the squad to do it I, I think that overall I mean Bayana Bayana um, you have to look back six years ago when they went to the Olympics mm. that was um, possibly their, their, their first experience at, at, in playing at this level but yeah. I think that between then and now uh, the team has changed they've, yeah. they, they've become so much uh, so much better to that extent Vera Pau you know when she was in charge tried to go all through technical with them and somehow um, that stretched them because under her they played a lot of games against European teams yeah. and, and, and all that and so I think the girls uh, mentally realised that you know wait a minute we, we're playing against these guys maybe they lost some of the games but they really did play play some good football yeah. going through there so with, with theirs they've they've actually found themselves with those uh, Kosafa uh, title wins yeah. because uh, what that did for them was that they, they ended up being being voted the team of the, of the continent and I remember people saying oh you know they, they, they're not right but I thought look the rest, of, the rest of Africa most of the teams including Nigeria and Ghana and Cameroon they were not playing games mm. and Bafana Banyana was play, were playing a lot of games and they 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 kept working at it and you can see when preparation you know meets opportunity yeah they're there. I believe very strongly that if Safa gets behind this team and a lot more of the corporates, you know, decide now to throw their weight behind them. Yeah. I mean, there's about Bafana Bafana. They need to throw some weight behind this team and get them to prepare adequately for, yeah. for this World Cup. It's like six months away. But, you know, this is a very, very critical moment in the history of, of South African football because Bayana Bayana, if they play with the kind of passion that we saw them in this tournament, yeah. I think that yes, it, it looks like a very, very, very uh, difficult draw, but you know they just need to, you know, not lose their first game, and suddenly there will be some yeah, kind of belief. Maybe they don't go all the way, but um, if they can come out of their group, I, I will consider it um, yeah, a, a big moment because what what it would do is it will enable them to build, um, you know, build on it, and hopefully yeah. by the, by the time they are they are ready for the next. Uh, Olympics or the next World Cup, they, they will gradually be, be finding their, their level yeah. at, at world football. But, you know, for me, it's a historic moment to actually see Desiree Ellis there standing side by side with Nigerian coach and Cameroonian coach 
I mean, this is a, I mean, for me personally, I know Des, and I think that, you know, uh, kudos to Des as well for, for Akima and to Safa, for Safa and uh, um, Sasso, because a lot of the, the corporates, we saw the drama that that some of the other sponsors tried to, to you know, uh, start throwing in things after the team had qualified. Yeah. You know, teams, companies, you know, and institutions in South Africa need to get behind these girls. Yeah. They need to they need to improve on on the level that they have, and I and I hope I hope they they, they, they come they come right and 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 you know hopefully they do well in the world. Yeah, we we'll certainly have uh, you know plenty of eyes on them, uh, not only from a supporters' perspective, but as Amika does say, hopefully a lot of corporations they've got the six months, as you put it, to get behind this team because you know I think the the one thing that I I, I am one hundred percent sure of is that they're going to go into that tournament without any fear. Yeah purely based on the fact that more players now compared to the Olympics a couple of years ago are playing uh, abroad. And so I guess that gives you that belief that, you know what, at this level, I can compete. You know, the other interesting thing for me, I find with Banyana going to this tournament, is that at least they are going there, you know, the victory is already done. Yeah. First time they've qualified. And I think they can relax. Uh, there's no pressure on them. And, you know, there's some players also that... Um, also trying to make the, uh, a name for themselves internationally, you know. So there's big opportunities for them um, on and off the pitch. So, and uh, kudos also for South African football. I mean, we haven't had a team go to the World Cup um, legitimately in a, in a very long time uh, at a senior level. So it's going to be nice to see, you know, our national colours, our national anthem at this level again, outside of rugby and cricket. So, you know, p- big ups to Bafana and big ups yeah. to women's football. Um in our country and in our continent, you know, of course, uh, the Super Falcons, you know, we can't forget them. Uh, you know, we hope that they also do well and Cameroon as well. So, you know, big up to all the African ladies that are going to be at the World Cup. Yep, I've got about six months to prepare for that. And uh, we'll certainly be paying a lot of attention to them. And again, a lot of credit to Sassol as well. I think, I'm not sure if they are finishing up, but the Sassol National Champ- Championships were Tux. have been going on. Tux for the winners. Oh, Tux for the winners. Uh, that's my alma mater, by the way. So, yeah, okay. uh, it's what we do. It's what we do. Okay. I can't, I, we, we can't wrap up though without touching, with, and we spoke about this, that... Uh, you know, by the time this week comes and this episode comes, uh, we'll have a new Ballon d'Or winner. And uh, I guess nothing's changed in the fact that Luka Modric uh, for winning the Champions League with Real Madrid and, and captaining Croatia to the final won UEFA Best Player of the Year, won FIFA Best Player of the Year and now has a Ballon d'Or title as well. Uh, I think I've, I generally know what you guys think of that. Uh, but just to refresh in Asimika, your thoughts? On, uh, I, for me, I think, I think it's... it's... It, it seems like an anticlimax. Somehow, Absolutely. you know, for you know, for 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 many years, we've always questioned the the basis for awarding this this Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when they give it to Messi and Ronaldo, when you look at the number of goals they score every season, you just think, okay, look, uh, between those two aliens, sometimes it's difficult to to find um, yeah. the, the, the 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 level. And and I think that Luka Modric. Um, on the strength of what Croatia did in the in the World Cup, everybody feels like you know let's let's give it to 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 them. But you know, I thought that the, that if the biggest parameter for this year was the World Cup, yeah, one of the French players should have should have gone I don't care if it's Mbappe because some of this whole argument of giving Mbappe uh, some youth play, <laughs> player of the year award yeah. I mean, for me doesn't add up because the fact that he's 17, 18 doesn't take away the fact that he was outstanding. Yeah. You know, he was outstanding in that World Cup. 
to the extent that you know I can say for me maybe even his impact was much more than Modric. But yeah. you know that Croatia went all the way. It says maybe if there was a Ballon d'Or for best defender, probably Lovren would have gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did come out and say he's, he's clearly the best well, defender. Well, the I mean, Lovren gave himself the, 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 the Ballon d'Or of defenders. <laughs> but having said that, you know, congratulations to to him. And then also, rather unfortunate, the drama around the the um, Hedebeck's award oh, for the for the yeah, women's you know um, um, award. Yes, the, the sometimes when you sometimes when you you like you're gonna have a brain fart, just hold it in. Yeah. Just, just hold it in. I wasn't just, sure just, if I heard that properly. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what I don't understand with, with some of these people, and, and, and look, you, you can never know when you get into trouble with, with stuff like mm. social media and whatever. But the one thing that I always try and say, because I mean, as someone who works in that space and always advises either professional sportsmen or even some of our colleagues in media, is, is sometimes you don't have to say everything that comes into your head. Yes. You know, there are times, just I mean, like I said it. just now, like, you know, uh, uh, Messi and, and, uh, and Ronaldo were, were aliens. That's figurative because those two play almost like a, a level above everybody yes. else. Uh, you know, but there, there are some things that you know will become really offensive that, you know, how do you not know that you don't say something like that? It's really not in this era of me too. And even if you take that yes. out, out of the equation, yeah. but, you know, someone has won the Ballon d'Or. It was our first time she was winning it you don't even ask her how do you feel you know how do you feel about yeah. you know winning winning well, that, that's the first for me recipient, yeah. for me that's that's the that's the first question that you yeah. that you ask so that she, you know that's her reaction how does she feel that she she's wanted does she, does she have anyone that she wants to to acknowledge it there something you know special about winning this because remember she was up 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 against Marta. Yeah. Again for this title because Marta is for me probably the greatest female this, player. So been doing this for so it's pretty, a long time. Pretty difficult but you know, like I said, you know, anybody nobody it can happen to anyone but I just think that, you know, it it it's it, it's one of the reasons why I, I keep I keep saying that we need to respect what the women achieve. Yeah. And we've seen with, with Bayana, we've seen with Falcons. I mean, the Falcons, yeah. they've, won, they've won the African title nine, nine times. times. The yeah. Super Eagles have only managed to win the African titles three times. I'm, we've seen with, with, um, with Bafana Bafana, you know, winning, winning once. But, you know, you look at in recent times, you know, how, so how much, how much they've been going up. I mean, the, the Bayana has been improving in yeah. their, in their, in their, not just their rankings, but also yeah. the, the, every, um, two years, they, yeah. big tournament yeah. they're, they're, they're picking. So we need to 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 find a balance and, and just be a lot better. More, accord a lot more a lot more respect to the women game and whatever chips. Just be better as a, as a, as a person. Just be better. But I, I wanna I wanna close on this and because it's it's a it's a big it's a big issue for me. How it is that in 2018, I guess. Uh, I guess our journalists across across the world can vote uh, Lionel Messi as the was it fifth fifth fifth, fifth best player in 2018. Um, I, I just I don't know. I mean, you see, my problem with the Ballon d'Or was to be honest with you is, is when did they start and when did they end? Yeah, right. Because 2018 is is ending in about what two weeks time, two yeah. and a half weeks time. So it, to me, it's always best to wait. You know, late until maybe the football season. I know some leagues close mid December. Yeah. You can have the Ballon d'Ors, you know, New Year's Eve, for God's sake, if, if, if you want to <laughs> yeah, have that. Why way. not? But my point is, a lot happens in that year. So I know, I get it, it's a World Cup year. I get it. But to me, the World Cup should not have a significant bearing 
on you know uh, your season unless you know you were up against somebody and that's the decider because yeah. you cannot tell me uh, in 2006 that Fabio Cannavaro was really going for this Ballon d'Or with yeah. Zidane and the difference was the red card yeah. right no, I don't no. think Cannavaro was no, no, even no. in the picture yeah. no. in 2006 so that's why I'm saying that to use the World Cup you, you land with uh, those type of decisions right yeah, so that's why I don't agree with always using the World Cup as you know it's World Cup here Ballon d'Or you should win it let it supplement your case right let it help your cause mm. but let it be a decider but, but, but between in, in recent you time, and somebody Messi has else. won it even when he's not been the best player in the World Cup yeah. uh, I mean in South Africa 2010 he won it I mean Wesley Snyder was brilliant for, for both Holland and, and, and for Inter, Inter Milan um, we saw in, 20, Ronaldo, in, 2014. in 2014 as well I, I don't know how they arrived at you know giving the award to, 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 to Messi no, that was Ronaldo in 2014. Was it, was it Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, but I mean, Messi got the best player in the world. Uh, so sometimes it's almost as if there's always like this attempt to compensate people for... That's, for trying, I, I feel. I feel that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. I feel. I yeah. feel. I honestly feel that's exactly. That's exactly yeah. how but much to, to vote. Won to vote. To vote. To vote. Messi as fifth. No, Messi. Uh, for me, even now. You know, it comes back to this whole debate about you know uh, Pele and all all of that. Yeah. I like to. I don't like to compare, but I just want to say for this era, you know, his his football is way ahead of what everybody else does. And if you look at sometimes also, you know, I don't want to say it because I'm a Liverpool fan. I mean, like if you look at how Mo Salah performed last week, where you know at at the moment the first goal that he scored. Everyone was saying, oh, was he offside? Wasn't he yeah. offside? And then the second goal, they're kicking him. Mm. And he still managed. You know, and he still manages to, go, very messy, to like. go and score. That's that's like, that's almost like watching Messi. That's the level that, you know, I'm not comparing it to them. I'm just saying that, you know, when a player elevates his game yeah. to that to that level where he's like, he, he's almost like, you know, he's unstoppable. We didn't see that with Modric. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> I didn't see anything with Luka Modric. Yeah. That's my. I did not see, see anything with Luka Modric. The only thing I did see was his long-range strike against Argentina. Nigeria, which was, so, but like, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, listen, all we can do is say congratulations to him. Uh, he is, I guess, the heir apparent now. Because, He's because, broken because, because with with the Champions League, <laughs> he, he was. I mean, Ronaldo. I mean, Ronaldo. 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 One minute of the match in the Champions League. Scored sixteen goals. He was. He started the season. Without scoring Terribly, any goals, yeah. and then suddenly he scores 15 goals in the Champions League. That's not easy to play yeah. in the Champions League against teams like Juventus yeah. and Bayern all of Munich. these teams, like really Bayern. ultra defensive teams. And and then you know, sorry, I know we want to run, but um, before before FIFA we before football. we go, uh, Ronaldo was asked about about Messi, uh, what he, what he, and he said something about maybe Messi misses him and he wanted Messi to come to, uh, to, see, to Italy. See, yeah. see that, 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 tells, that, tells you who's, that tells you who spends their time, uh, between the two, who spends their time on Twitter and who doesn't. Because the whole, no, I've done it in three leagues, that is a Twitter debate. Can I just say <laughs> something? You who Unfortunately, exactly. Messi cannot join a team that's won seven uh, Serie A titles in a row. Ronaldo's already there, so... Yeah, someone someone suggested he goes to Napoli. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said I said I said to him, you know, unfortunately Napoli will need to sell the entire team to, <laughs> to be able to, to buy to, Messi. <laughs> no, listen, if if Messi did go to Italy, uh, it would be a terrible time for Ronaldo and for someone called Paolo Diavala, who in his position anyway is the best in Italy. He does not want Lionel Messi to come there.
Nobody wants Lionel Messi to come there. But uh, that is uh, all we have for episode 19. By the time we meet again... We... Liverpool will be out of the Champions League. <laughs> Liverpool will be out ah. of the Champions League. Listen, listen. United would compound their misery listen, by beating listen, them at listen, Anfield. Listen, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy for the Champions League. What we call the Anfield night. Uh, look, out for, have, look out for the Anfield you night. Can, you can have... And then you can have Anfield night uh, and and Emirates night when listen, you guys are listen, up, <laughs> thrown listen, against each other in the Europa League. Two, there are two things uh, about night, uh, famous tales about nights. Oh there's there's a famous no, novel by Stephen Quincy, which is one of the African writer series. It's called the An African Night Entertainment. Then you've got the, you've got the Arabian Nights, and then the third one <laughs> is, is Anfield Nights. Oh Anfield Nights in the Champions League. Look out for the champ, for the for Anfield Nights and. and Liverpool's cruise to the to the knockout stage, and uh, then and then the smashing of of United. Don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, locally, before we wrap up, we'll know as well uh, who uh, some of uh, the uh, bigger top flight teams will be playing in the NetBank Cup, which gets underway next year. The draw is scheduled for uh, Thursday. I, if I'm not mistaken, yes, Thursday. So look out for that as well. But from myself, Loaziza Kubu. Hola, Makwaza. And Emeka Inyadiki. From the top of the premiership table. Exactly. It's goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>